We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. Thank you for just showing up today. It means so much to me. I sit here in my bedroom on my desk (laughs) and I record these episodes and I pray for you guys and I pray for this podcast and I am just so thankful to be here with you every Monday or whenever you listen and just know that my heart is so for you. I say this in a way where you're like, you don't even know me, But I feel like God has called me specifically to this ministry because I really love people and I really love seeing their growth. And while I obviously cannot have a conversation with every single one of you, I am just thankful for the opportunity to hear from you on social media when you listen to an episode, to see shares or DMs or more subscribers because you've shared with friends and family. It means so much to me. And I just pray always, I'm always praying over this ministry that it is one that blesses you, but most importantly, strengthens and prunes your relationship with Jesus because ultimately that is my heart. So today I want to talk about emotional walls. We, no matter what, no matter how open we are, how empathetic we are, how understanding, there are always emotional walls that are built up in our lives. And this is not to say that this is a bad thing. Sometimes these walls can be healthy. But the thing about walls, the unhealthy ones that we have to keep in mind, is that yes, they keep others out and they keep some of the pain out and sometimes they keep just a lot of discomfort out. They also trap you inside. So there are a few walls that I want to discuss. One, walls that block out unwanted feelings. Two, walls that keep a distance between us and other people. Three, walls that hide who we really are. And four, walls that keep us from growing spiritually. As I mentioned, sometimes comfort 
can become something that we idolize. We worship it so much, meaning idolatry, we place something above God. So while it's not bad to have boundaries, when we place those boundaries, which can be a good thing, and put them in the position of God thing, we elevate them to the position of God and therefore say God's word doesn't hold as much weight as these boundaries we create, right? When we have these boundaries against people and it outweighs God's word, then we are saying, okay, Lord, your word in 1 Corinthians that love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't hold a record of wrongs, love is unconditional. That is then kind of put in the dumpster when we say, no, my boundaries are more important. That is a hard one for me. I'll be super honest. There are some relationships in my life where I've created some really firm boundaries and I always have to put them up against scripture and say, am I though being kind and compassionate? Am I continuing to love and not holding record of wrongs? Am I not going to this person's house and saying, I'm going to act a certain way because you acted a certain way last time and I'm protecting myself. It is such a hard balance, you guys, to determine, okay, what do I do so that I'm being discerning and I'm being wise to protect myself and my family, but also honoring God's word. And a lot of the time, it means self-sacrifice. And that's not an easy thing probably for most people to hear. And even for myself, I'm trying to imagine if I were listening to this, how I would feel. And I think I would think, I know this to be true, but it's easier said than done. Because when we have interesting relationships with in-laws, which if you haven't listened to the Dealing with Difficult In-Laws as a Christian conversation on the podcast, I encourage you to do so. It kind of blew up and became one of my most downloaded episodes overnight. And I think it was because the Holy Spirit was just fully behind that conversation. But to add to that, whether it's difficult in-laws or whether it's a really hard friendship that you've tried to work through or a difficult business relationship, which those can be suffocating sometimes. We don't want to put ourselves or our emotions on the line. We want to handle things as they come and we want to say, no, I don't deserve this. But that I would challenge with love is very much a sense of pride of what we do and don't deserve. Because when we look to Jesus's death on the cross and say, did he deserve that? Absolutely not. But did he sacrifice himself for the sake of others? Absolutely. You might be wondering, okay, what does that look like for me? I have a really toxic family member who is always crushing me. And of course, I'm not talking about verbal or physical abuse. So please know that is not part of this conversation. That is where strong boundaries, counseling, police, I mean, whatever needs to come into play. I fully support those things. I'm talking about people who have really strong political opinions and push them on you or kind of just give you a really low view of your self-worth or condescending, that type of relationship where you go into it and you say, yeah, okay, I'm going to be rude and I'm going to be cold because they do not deserve what I want to offer. They do not deserve the love that I have to give. But I think the Bible would say the opposite. The Bible would say, bless those who curse you turn the other cheek, give more to those who ask of something from you. In our flesh, you guys, this is one of the most difficult things that we can do. It is a very real struggle. And I don't come to this saying I've accomplished it at all, but I have created boundaries in those relationships that 
are healthy, but don't stop me from going above and beyond in loving them. And I would say this is going to have to be between you and Jesus and soaking in his word. Most importantly, comparing your actions and your thoughts to what the Bible says, because that type of love, that self-sacrificial love, you're not sacrificing yourself for no purpose. Just to be clear, you're sacrificing your pride ultimately, and maybe your feelings a little bit, for the sake of showing someone else the love of Christ. It's a challenge, but can I say that the more that you live in that heart space, the more that you live in that desire for hard and holy work, you will be sanctified and made more like Christ. And that's ultimately the entire purpose of our lives is to look more like Him. So in the moments when you want to block out the unwanted feelings of discomfort, the unwanted feelings of pain or hardship or of kind of being in a place where you're saying, this is not what I want for my life. I fully understand that. And I think wisdom is important. And that's why I say, go to the Lord. Don't listen just to this podcast, you guys. I want you in your Bibles. I want you challenging even what I say against scripture and challenging your thoughts against scripture and saying, Yes, God, I'm uncomfortable, but the Lord, Jesus' whole life, he didn't have a place to call home. He was scattered and nomadic and living this very, very uncomfortable life where people criticized him ruthlessly. And yet he was a love. He stood his ground with boldness, but with grace and with compassion. And I want to challenge you as my community, as my friends to do the same because gosh, you guys, especially in 2020, what a difference that would make. Next, walls that keep a distance between us and other people. And I would say this more than anything, maybe this one and the one that hides who we really are, but this wall that creates a barricade between us and other people is one that really keeps us trapped inside. And when I think about this, I think about cliques in friendships in the church where we create these maybe mom groups or friend groups where we don't let other people in. But I also think about this election and I think about our political beliefs and our beliefs on social justice and all of these things where we hold so tight to our belief system that we don't let other people in. And therefore, again, how can we show the love of God? How can we be the light of the world when we are not living this out, when we are just barricading ourselves and staying trapped in our bubble of belief system and not getting into the world. Like we're called, go out into the world. I think we're doing something wrong. And I say this with real boldness that we're doing something wrong if we only have Christian friends. Because if that is the case, how are we making disciples? And I'm not saying that these people who are not believers should be constantly pouring into your life and giving you advice. I don't believe that to be true. But are you called to pour into them? Are you called to take them to coffee and ask questions and get to know them and show them the love of Jesus? Absolutely. And this includes social media. When we're canceling people because they're outside of our belief system, we are doing something wrong, you guys. If you haven't listened to episode 50, Why Christians Should Cancel Cancel Culture, I would encourage you to listen because I dig more into this. But I would say if you're in the church, 
and you're always going around the same people and you're spending that time and you're getting coffee and it's just you. Or if you have a friend group in college and you're just always meeting with the same people, I would challenge you to get outside of that comfort zone. If you see someone sitting alone, go to them. If you see someone who is struggling, go to them. You guys can hear Milo barking in the background. I'm just going to have to embrace that part because just know that Milo loves you guys and so does Biscuit. They don't ever stop barking. But I would just encourage and challenge you like... James 2.9 says, if you show partiality, you are committing sin. Are we being partial if we are judging someone based on a belief system? Are we being partial if we're unwilling to go outside of our friend group to reach other people? Yes, in a way, because we're creating a judgment that maybe they wouldn't be the best of friends with us, or maybe that wouldn't be a comfortable conversation. And you might be right. But how will you know unless you reach out to show the love of Christ and to share Jesus, the actual truth of the gospel with them? We keep people out and it really traps us. And I wanna say if we're building walls to cut ourselves off from other people so that we can live in a sense of self-centered isolation and selfish indulgence, then that wall building is really harmful to our walk with Christ as well. And just to our mental health. I see so many people, you guys, who self-isolate and coronavirus has not helped this at all. And they kind of excuse it and justify it away. But throughout the Bible, I mean, you can find so many calls to us to have friendships, to be in fellowship, to be in community. We were never created to live this life on an island. And I will be adamant about saying that that is harmful to your spiritual health. Why? One, you don't have people who are holding you accountable in your sin. This is huge because when we look in the mirror, we're pretty gracious with ourselves, aren't we? We're pretty like, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing okay. But when we, again, assess our sin or our actions or our character against the Bible, we're revealed the truth. When we're around other Christians who read that same Bible, we're also shown the truth. And this is big for Jesse and I, you guys. We go around other Christian couples a lot and we'll talk about our stuff, our real junk. We dig into it. And not only does it help us to say, okay, we're totally not alone in this, Just to be clear, it's not always people that we're fully comfortable with. Like we're very open, obviously look at my job and what I do, but we are very open people with those around us, even if we're not fully comfortable with them, because we know that other believers who have the Holy Spirit have something to offer with wisdom and with discernment and showing us, hey, this might be a better way for you guys to handle that conversation, or this might be a better way for you to walk through that business struggle or that broken friendship. Let us encourage you. And having people around us is huge. So that accountability in fellowship is really important. Two, a shift in our perspective. We can get so caught up in what we believe to be good and righteous and true. And yes, obviously, if we're going with scripture, we believe those things to be true, but there are so many aspects that are not black and white in the Bible. And having the ability to bounce thoughts off of one another, to love one another, to encourage, admonish, like scripture says, one another in the faith, what a beautiful gift that is. So we're really harming ourselves and we're staying in that sense of pride. 
And I would say that ties into the walls that keep us from growing spiritually. So I'm a little out of order, but the walls that keep us from growing spiritually, one is 100% isolating ourselves from other people. And this can include our own spouse. Okay, let me give example of myself. I have moments where I really get deep into my head and I start believing all of these lies and I'm not confronting them. I'm not repenting of them. I'm just sitting in them. And what a mess that becomes so quickly. But I'll say, this is just a common one that I've dealt with over my eight years of marriage where I think Jesse doesn't like me anymore. And man, you guys, I believe that so quickly. It can be that he doesn't hold my hand in the car. And usually it's just because he's really distracted or thinking about something else or whatever. It's not personal, but I make it personal so quickly. So then I build a wall and I say, okay, if he's not going to hold my hand, I'm going to be prideful and I'm not going to hold his hand. And then I allow it to go even further and the enemy gets into my head even more. And I'm thinking, okay, then I'm not showing any sort of intimacy until he shows me that he wants me. And a few days pass and what does it turn into? If any of you know anything about me or if you're like me, you know it turns into he doesn't love me. He doesn't even want to be my husband. He's going to leave me. What is my life going to look like when he leaves me? It morphs into this big ball of destruction and mess. And then I'm acting out at him in anger for literally not holding my hand instead of just holding his hand myself. So those are walls I'm building up between me and my spouse without even realizing it. When in that moment, I could have said, okay, it kind of hurts my feelings. You're not holding my hand right now. Why aren't you holding my hand? Or holding his hand on my own and allowing that to be enough. That's where communication lies and asking those questions before we allow ourselves to spin out of control. A lie that you may believe far too often, especially as a woman, is that you have to choose between your family and your dreams. But the Proverbs 31 woman defies that stereotype. She was both a mother and a businesswoman. She worked hard for her family and used the giftings that God had given her to provide for her home. She had both ambition and faith, and she was honored. Friends, if you have a gift, use it to make God's name known. Share your story, share your passions, share your life. I have spent the past five years relentlessly studying and implementing all things marketing, blogging, entrepreneurship, small business, and podcasting, while also being a stay-at-home mama of two boys. Now with over 6 million blog readers, over 600,000 total podcast downloads, and tens of thousands of social media followers, I'm able to make an income for my family. I feel so passionate about this business and helping others to pursue those dreams. And I want to share everything I've learned with you, whether you're a mom of five or a college student. Do you want to be a travel blogger? Would you love to share your voice and launch a podcast? I can help you. I'm so excited to be offering one-on-one personalized business coaching for anyone with a dream to share their story, create a ministry, or build a platform. During our two and a half hour coaching session, I'll customize everything specifically for you by looking over your website and social media to give honest and helpful feedback that will help you grow. I'll teach you how to use Pinterest to make money even if you don't have any followers, because if you're not using it yet, you're really missing out. 
and we'll talk all things Instagram, Facebook, branding, monetization, all in simple to understand terms. I will provide you with two free customizable media kits, a list of my 20 influencer websites that you can join right away to start collaborating with small and large brands, exclusive group board invites on Pinterest, and Facebook group invites to help get more eyes on your business right away. I always say she didn't do it better. She just did it. What is that one thing that you have always wanted to do, but you've never done? You will never succeed if you don't ever try, but you have a great chance at succeeding if you at least try. You don't ever want to live in regret. So if you are interested in this personalized coaching, just email livingeasypodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's livingeasypodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in this coaching and hearing about how I can help you specifically, I'll talk to you soon. We can do this also building up these walls between us and other people with our family members or our in-laws. And we remain trapped in this place of like, no, I've already set this boundary. Therefore, I can't get out of it. Can I say that is a lie? The Holy Spirit lives in us and God says his mercies are new in us every single morning. We should not live there, you guys. We cannot live there. Yes, okay, I've created these boundaries and I've portrayed myself to be this person and so I have to stay in that boat. That is trapping yourself. That is bondage within itself. And God says we are free of bondage. We are no longer slaves of sin. So don't allow yourself to stay there. You have to repent of that and choose differently. You don't have to be a hard person just because you've displayed yourself as a hard person. There is a way out. There is freedom from that. So next, walls that hide who we really are. Oh gosh, when life hurts us, which it absolutely has this year, It's easy to put walls up and we rationalize that God allows them so that we can protect ourselves. But self-protection is not the same as God protection. Self-protection keeps the emphasis on us, on self, which if you've listened to any of my episodes, is probably the most damaging thing we could ever do is to be so self-focused that we lose sight of what God calls us to. The walls that we build after we're hurt are not always God's spiritual protection for our hearts. We have to be really aware of that because if a wall of protection isn't ordained by God himself, it will not be to his benefit or to his glory or to our benefit. Because when those walls aren't ordained by God, there are walls of division where oneness should be, like my example in my marriage, or even in motherhood or in parenthood when we get agitated and they've hurt us or they've said something that really offended us. So then we feel that we have to build up these walls and that it's just accepted and it's okay. But often we're building these walls to protect ourselves from the ones who care the most about us. And we seem to do that more than ever. And this is something that is so important to me is to love my family like I love that stranger, to treat my family members like I treat that coworker, because it's so much easier for us to take that burden out on one another. 
So these walls are a product of unhealthy emotions and they can prevent us from having these godly relationships like I talked about before. Do you see how it like cycles together and it all spins together into this really big, messy ball? And the cause of problems that we have, the struggles, may be from old wounds, which it seems that a lot are, and they remain in our minds feeding our emotions, which emotions are not always facts, and it produces negative reactions from us. And so we are hiding who we are behind these walls because we've allowed ourselves into this construct of this person who deserves to be treated a certain way, this person who feels this certain way. I don't care that they don't come to my Christmas party. I don't care that they don't show up to my kids' birthday parties, but you do care. And it's okay to feel those feelings because those feelings give us compassion and empathy for one another. So I want to share a little Bible lesson. The events in the book of Nehemiah took place in Old Testament history. The kingdoms of Israel and Judah were no longer in existence and the 70-year captivity of the Jews in Babylon had come to a close. So keep in mind, many Jews had returned to their homeland and the walls around the city of Jerusalem remained in ruins. So the walls were in ruins. And more than a hundred years before that, Nebuchadnezzar and the invading Babylonians had overrun the city and completely destroyed the temple and the walls of Jerusalem. There were just scars of this destruction, right? And they're still visible in piles in rubble that lay all around the city. And it was at that point that God stirred up in the heart of Nehemiah to motivate, to mobilize the Jewish people to rebuild the walls of the city. The book of Nehemiah records how God blessed this project and brought it to completion in record time. And so in spite of what appeared to be this insurmountable obstacle and unrelenting opposition that he faced, the wall was completed in 52 days. You'll find that in Nehemiah 6.15. And some remnants of what is believed to be Nehemiah's wall can still be seen, which I love this type of stuff, you guys. It really strengthens my faith when I hear about history and archaeology and these things where you can still look at with your own eyes what God has built and what the Bible says to be true. As we talk about these walls of Nehemiah's, we see that there are discouragements and doubts along the way. He faced obstacles. He faced the thought that this is never going to get completed in the time that it should be. But the great and encouraging truth of that that I want you guys to hold so dearly to your heart is that solid spiritual walls can be built and God will bless every effort we make to persevere in spiritual wall building. And spiritual wall building is that relationship with Jesus that allows us to be who we are, that allows us to have our identity in Jesus and he will bring that to completion. Finding that identity in Christ and not in the girl that you used to be 10 years ago or not in the husband that you used to be three months ago, but saying, Lord, I am going to build upon these spiritual walls with you and know that you know what you're doing even when I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm going to allow the emotional walls to be destroyed and demolished because I want to be more like you and less like myself. Because when I start seeing old Lindsay coming out, you guys, which happened recently, I don't even know what in the world happened. I was so mean to Jesse four days ago. And I was rough around the edges and would never want a camera in my home. Like everything that came out of my mouth was so sharp and harsh and irritated. And I thought to myself, man, I haven't talked to him like that in a long time. Like we weren't in an argument. It was just 
I was irritable. And I came to a moment where I said, man, Lord, I look so much like my old self right now. And so when I see that, I come to a place where I say, okay, something has to change. What's going on in my heart? And I sit and I evaluate and I process through these things because I don't want to build upon the walls of that foundation, that emotional foundation, that that past of hurt and of sin that I self-inflicted. I want to build upon the spiritual walls to say, okay, Lord, you say that you have redeemed me. You say that you call me by name. You say that you will sanctify me to be made more like you. You say that you will welcome me at the gates if I claim to know you and serve you and accept you as my savior and that you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You promise that you will prune me if I abide in you. You promise all of these beautiful, sweet things and not one of those promises says that you will keep me in bondage to my past life or my past sin. And that means every single morning, you guys, you're made new. And if I could just bring this home, like every single morning you're made new. So build upon that spiritual wall that is built, that is strong and foundational to where what somebody says is not going to rock you and wreck your life. If somebody cancels you, it's not going to wreck your life. You stand firm in what you know, and you trust God like Nehemiah, where he looks and he says, this is insurmountable. And yet, God, I trust you. And lastly, which all of this kind of just ties in together, doesn't it? Walls that keep us from spiritual growth. I know I touched on it briefly, but what does this mean? How do we do this? How do we break down these walls that keep us from spiritual growth? And I will say so many of those walls are one, pride. That is a huge one. God says he abhors, he hates pride. We look on sexual sin and all these other things as this external sin that's so bad and drunkenness. Yes, those things are bad, but God also says he hates pride. How often do we sit in pride with our in-laws? How often do we sit in pride with our spouse and allow that to just be who we are? That is an emotional wall that we've built. One is pride. Two is idolatry. Allowing ourselves to be identified with everything that the world offers and saying that this success makes me who I am or this lack of success makes me less than. This relationship makes me who I am. Having this baby makes me who I am. All of these things that we're allowing to define the person that we are, that keeps us in bondage against growing spiritually because we're placing those things above God and saying, if only I had that, that will satisfy me. And then you get to have it and you realize it's a good, beautiful thing, but it doesn't satisfy. I'm still discontent. I'm still broken and lost. That is a wall that you've built up against Jesus, against growing spiritually in your faith because it's the end all be all, right? And we can't have that. That is where the eternal perspective has to come from. And we say, this world is not my home. You have promised a place for me. You promised you have rooms for me in heaven. Do I believe that to be true? So when we are in need of repair, and some of you might be today just feeling like, gosh, I am 
broken. I am depleted. I am exhausted from momming. I'm exhausted from schooling, being a teacher or homeschooling. I'm exhausted from fighting for my marriage. I'm exhausted from this sin that I'm stuck in, whether it's an affair or substance abuse or reliance upon other people or things to bring you that joy. We have to face the problem. When we determine those areas, and I challenge you to write them out, okay, Lord, where are my walls? In what ways am I remaining the person that I used to be because I don't want to show humility? And when we come up with a plan for that, when we see what it is, we can look to scripture and say, okay, this is my plan. This is how I rebuild those walls, the spiritual walls, and break down all of those destructive emotional walls. If you have a problem with sexual temptation and with lust because of what you've been feeding your mind, confront that. Okay, I'm watching too much of this. If you have problems with emotional pornography where you're looking to these other marriages, and this doesn't have to be a movie or a book, this can be TikTok or social media where you're saying, wait, why doesn't my husband do what this husband is doing? Why doesn't he act like this or lead me like this? We are allowing our minds to get into this rut and we have to challenge what we're putting into our minds so that we are spiritually aware and able to just enjoy where God has us in the beautiful marriage, although not perfect, let me say, not perfect, but beautiful marriage that he's given us. So confronting these issues, confronting what we're being fed, confronting what we're pouring out, confronting who we're surrounding ourselves with, allows us to eliminate that unhealthy intake so that the rebuilding can begin. I would even challenge something like laziness, which I know a lot of people struggle with busyness, but I think we can look at it in both formats. That laziness or wasting away your day allows that spiritual rubble, as an example, to remain in your life where spiritual walls should be. Are you being lazy with reading the word? Are you being lazy with pursuing relationships? Are you being lazy with not pursuing your spouse with sex or with emotional conversation? Those things are not okay. Busyness, are you allowing busyness to consume your world so that you don't even have time to stop and ponder and slow down on what your life and your spiritual walk should look like? This takes work, you guys, just like I say in the intro. I hope you like the new intro, by the way, and outro. I was ready to re-record it. I actually was ready to re-record it like months after I started the podcast, but it just didn't happen. So I've just really discovered my heart for this podcast and that's what it is. But it is hard, holy work. This is not easy stuff. This is repentance to God. This is really hard conversations with friends, family members, spouses, children, and looking it in the eye and saying, I want this to change. And I'm going to take the steps to change these things. I'm going to go to a friend and say, here's where I'm at. I'm in a really bad place. I am talking to this guy and I'm married. I am tempted by this opportunity and I'm committed to God to be faithful to where I'm at. And yet I'm longing and looking at other things. I am struggling with alcohol and I'm using wine as a crutch in my motherhood. I don't want to live this life anymore. Those are the conversations, you guys, that have to happen. Going to that toxic uncle or aunt and saying, hey, 
you make me really uncomfortable and I want to continue to love you and I want to continue to spend time here, but I will say I'm going to have to step away for a while if we can't sort this out and have a real honest conversation. These things are not fun to do. (laughs) They are not fun, especially for someone like me. It makes me sick to my stomach and I obsess over the conversation for days, but I will tell you, I just did it recently with somebody And I went to them and I said, hey, I have bottled up so much stuff and I'm believing a lot of lies and I'm about to like fully cut off contact and I realized I don't even know where you're at and I'm believing this without even giving you the opportunity to speak to it. So let's speak about it. And I was like choking on my words and I was so uncomfortable and I'm shaking but it happened. And I will say you guys, 99% of the time, those conversations turn out to be fruitful. They breathe life instead of sucking energy. They allow you to glorify God by going to one another. Like scripture says, go to one another. If you have an issue, it's not comfortable, but we cannot place comfort over our relationship with God. So you're going to deal with lies from the enemy as you pursue these things, because of course he doesn't want you building up your spiritual walls and strengthening your walk with Jesus and and allowing that foundation to be what you rely upon. So you're going to battle with sin. You're going to battle with frustration and impatience and hurt, but it's not intended to be easy. We are strengthened oftentimes by the most difficult trials because that is when character is built. Romans 5 through through 5 says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering or trials or pain or hardship produce perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. There is no shame in having hope that you can heal this part of yourself through God's grace or heal this relationship. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So I love you guys. I wanna challenge you that God can break these walls down that you've had since you were a little girl or little boy in a very real way. If you haven't listened to my testimony, That is a very real way for me that God has broken down walls of manipulation, sexual impurity, attention-seeking, anger, and meanness, which still working through, obviously. But if we soak in his word and we spend time with him every day, he can move through that hardness of our hearts and make our hearts like flesh, just as he has done with characters in the Bible that he says are men after his own heart who have committed adultery and murder. And yet he says, David is a man after my own heart. He still loves him. He still works in him and used him to write Psalms that we read and embrace and strengthen our relationship with God. He used a mess of a man just as he uses my mess to make a message for you guys and to glorify and honor him. And he will do the same for you, but you cannot allow yourself to keep these walls built up around you to destroy your relationships with other people, to destroy your relationship with yourself where these self-deprecating comments and thoughts come in and to destroy your relationship with him. I love you guys and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy Podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. 
If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.